0: But I'm going to be honest with you, during worship time, the Lord began to speak to me about this morning. And today I want to speak to you about the sun, and I'm not talking about Jesus Christ, I'm talking about the sun, S-U-N. And as um, we were worshiping, the Lord told me, tell them why you've come to this place Why you've come to this place in your life where you're willing to believe something that everyone says is wrong. You're willing to go against what history and what the smartest minds in the whole world say. Tell them why. And it was because on December 31st of 2019... It was on that day that I was in my room, in my office, and I was depressed, and I was broken, and I was hurt. And it was in that room the Lord spoke something to me. He said, everything you need is in your backpack. And I thought, that's, that's great. Of all the things I needed to hear, of all the things that I had to have in my heart convinced that God was with me, of all the things that that he could have said that could have changed that moment, he said, everything you need is in your backpack. And he said it again, and I said, okay, well, there must be that check for $10,000 that Dad Ashpole gave to me that I didn't cash. I don't know. Maybe there's something in my backpack. I don't know what it is because God, what I need is a miracle right now. What I need is you to come into my story and change it. <clears throat> because coming 2020, things were going to change drastically for our family. But he said it, and I went looking in my backpack. And I start digging through it, and I just was trying to find, what is it, God, what is it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I put my backpack aside, and I said, God, why do you do that? Why do you give me some type of hope in my heart? And then I go look for it, and you're not there. And he said once again so softly, everything you need is in your backpack so I started digging again and I started looking through and I was literally digging in the corners you know those little things where all the crumbs and pieces fall and you don't want to stick your finger in it because you don't know what, what's in it and where it's been at and how long it's been there and I started doing that and there was this one last pocket I just just reached in my corner and I felt something and I pulled it out and it was the cheapest little necklace you could find but it was a gift from my daughter and it was not actually even not to me, it was to someone else, but it was a gift, and it was just a little gold necklace. It wasn't expensive, it was just something that she could afford and she bought, and it was just this little necklace. And you know what it had written on there? You and me. And God said, I told you, everything you need is in the backpack. Just you and me. The reason why I say that is because Come the next six days, we were going to face something that we'd never faced before, and it was horrible, but God showed up. God showed up because everything you need is you and Him, and God took a story that was on one path and supernaturally changed it in a moment. Why? Because I trusted His Word. I simply believe that what God told me was true, and I'm going to believe it. And so I decided on that day, after God stepped into our life and did the most amazing thing, I decided, God, I'm not going to doubt your word. I'm not going to doubt what you say, and I'm not going to doubt what you have written. Because a lot of times we believe what God says, that we can ask anything in his name and it will be done. We believe that he is for us and not against us. We believe those things, but yet our lives don't reflect it by our thoughts and our worries and our concerns. Just like we got a chance to go to Valley Fair just a few weeks ago, and I love those things. I love those rides. Well, four times, and after that my body says no. But, I mean, I love going on but what I love about the roller coaster is this everything in your mind says you're going to die and if you just fasten the safety harnesses and buckle the seat belts and do what they tell you to do guess what you're going to have the time of your life even though no one likes the click 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 no one likes the anticipation but at the end you're like that was cool except Lily says that's it I'm done But the thing is, is that when we don't know what's going ahead of us, when we can't see what is beyond the curve, we start to worry and concern. But if we are confident that God's word is going to keep us secure and safe, even though this world is turning us upside down, you can trust in his word. And I decided I'm not going to doubt your word no more. I don't care if people call me crazy. I have pastors I've talked to that says, Pete, you're kind of on the fringe. I said, the fringe of what? The fringe of believing what God says, I'm just going to believe what he says. And then I had a problem. Because I had no problem believing the entire scriptures. I had no problem believing all of the crazy things you read in there. Like when Saul is looking for wisdom and he's looking for counsel and he goes to this little lady and says, hey, can you uh, perform a seance and bring Samuel back so he can speak to me? And You know what? God allowed Samuel to come back and speak to Saul. I can believe that. I can believe that when people were complaining and God wanted to show who was in charge with Moses and the Israelites, that he took 12 sticks representing each of the tribe and took this dead stick that has no capability, no life found in it, put it inside of a tent, and the next day, Aaron's stick had blossomed and bloomed and actually produced almonds. In my Bible, they're roasted and salted because that's the only way you eat almonds. But it happened with a dead stick. I can believe that. But then all of a sudden, I turned to Genesis 1, the one chapter in the Bible where everything inside of me said it's not the way God said because of science and because of education and because of what I see and because of what I hear and and, and a witness over the years. And so I said, I'm just going to trust your word. Because we, we talked about this several weeks ago. If you go to Genesis 1, you're going to come head to head with science. And now I'm not here trying to destroy science or say that I'm a, a, a very intellectual person when it comes to all the sciences. I don't know how things work. I know how fire works. I know how food works. Those things I know. But when it comes to science, I'm not the smartest guy in the whole world. But when it comes to the Bible, I'm going to believe what he says. And over the years, scientists have been wrong. I, I read last week some of the things that science has told us about trying to control population, trying to sterilize men and women through food and water. Back in the 60s, they started talking about this, how they've been wrong about the ice age, that the ice age that was going to come. They've been wrong about a lot of things, and here's a great example of this. It's called the Pilldown Man. The Pilldown Man was discovered in 1908 by Charles Dawson no relation to, to my brother-in-law, Charles Dawson. <clears throat> and he was the first one to find the fossil that linked evolution and our modern man that we know. This was 1908. He discovered it, and it took a few years, but finally it was adopted. And they, they dated it. They said it was about 500,000 years old, this, this savage caveman that was turning from monkey into man. But the problem was that over the 13 years that he discovered this, scientists said, no, that's not right. That's just, it's not right. It's not right. They said, there's problems with it. It just doesn't fit right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't smell right. It's just not right. And, but yet they continued. He continued to push it. And finally, he came to the Ge- um, Geological Society of London, and they said, you know what? We accept this. So in 1921, Henry Fairfield Osborne, the president of the American Natural Museum of Natural History, said that the fossils were real, and at that moment, the Piltown man, the Pildown man was pushed into our educational system as the evidence that links from people coming from monkeys into man. But the problem is this that in 1953, they discovered that it was false, that what they did was they took a jaw from an orangutan and, and a part of the skull from a human, and they put them together and pieced it together. They even filed down the teeth of the orangutan to make it look like molars of a human being. And then they also discovered what they thought was these ancient tools next to it, but they come to find out that it was actually a cricket paddle that was buried next to these bones. Science is not always right, and over time, sometimes science is proved to be wrong. And I talked about scientists who believe in the Big Bang theory and the theory of evolution and how they're eager to prove it right. Think about this. We as Christians know that God's word is true. I don't have to prove it to you. I know it. I know it because of experiences like I had in 2019 on December 31st when God spoke something that was so true to me. I knew it when God promises me things over the years and it just comes to pass. And I know it because the Holy Spirit tells me that his word is true. And yet, I don't, I'm not eager to prove it because I know it. Just like I know my wife loves me. I don't have to go around proving that. I know it. Because she is so patient and kind, and her love never fails, and she has proven that over and over. I just know it. I don't have to prove it. But yet, scientists are eager to prove their Big Bang and their theory of evolution. And this is why it comes in conflicts with Genesis chapter 1. So I want to talk to you today about the sun. And listen, I'm just going to go through a lot of stats, so just bear with me, because I think this is important to understand why I believe what I believe And when it comes to Genesis 1, why, I believe that God is right. The sun, they say, is a star, and this is all from NASA. The sun is a star, a hot ball of glowing gas at the heart of our solar system. It influences, extends far beyond the orbits of distant Neptune and Pluto. And without the sun's intense energy and heat, there would be no life on Earth. And though it's special to us, there are billions of stars like our sun scattered across the Milky Way galaxy, and if the sun was as tall as a door, the earth would be a nickel. And the temperature at the sun's core is 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. They say that the sun is 4.5 billion years old, that it's 109 times larger than the earth, that it is the heart of our solar system, even though it's a yellow dwarf star. It's a hot ball of gas. Its gravity holds the whole solar system together, keeping everything from the biggest planets to the smallest particles of debris in its orbit. It's 98% of helium and hydrogen. Now, the connection and the interaction between the sun and the Earth drives our planets. their seasons, the oceans, the currents, the weather, the climate, the radiation belt, everything, it's all in the Milky Way. Here's a picture of the Milky Way. The Milky Way is what the sun is located in so if you imagine that little dot right there not the circle but where the little triangle goes to that would be where our sun is and then our sun inside of that contains all of the earth and the planets the orbit and rotation of the sun the sun and everything that orbits around is located in this milky way galaxy and do you know how fast they tell us that the sun is moving around the milky way galaxy They tell us that the sun is moving almost 500,000 miles around. Do you know that it would take almost 230 million years for it to go around the Milky Way once? 230 million years. It formed because what happened is that when the Big Bang, and we talked about how this Belgian priest came up with this ideal in 1927. It's not that old. But the Big Bang, there was this singularity that came in gravity and it just collapsed and because there's no sound in space, right? And, and all of a sudden this big bang happened and you and, and have all these, these, um, these solar systems scattered out, these galaxies scattered out, and the sun just began to draw its own gravity and started to pull things in. And as you see in the diagram of our solar system, which we had up first, we know that the sun is at the very center. They tell us this, that the surface of the sun, It's 300 miles thick of gas so that there's this 300-mile gas that surrounds the sun. Now, listen, I'm just a logical guy, right? I'm a logical guy. And I just start to ask questions like, how deep have they gone on earth? Do you know that the deepest they've ever drilled on earth on land is 8 miles do you know the deepest they have ever drilled in the ocean, on the ocean floor? It's five miles. So the deepest we have ever gone, people have ever discovered how deep on the earth is eight miles at the most. And yet, man, we know that there's 300 miles of gas on the sun. Did you, did you verify that, James? Did you go? No, no. Maybe Jasmine did because that's why she was all sunburnt. I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there. You know it's going to work into the sermon somewhere. Okay, so, so you think, you know, you're like, man, where do they get this number? How do they know this stuff? How do they know this stuff? How do they know that the sun is 4.5 billion years old? How do they know that 13.8 billion years ago there was this explosion of nothing and it created the universe? It's just, it just is mind-boggling to me to, to, to look at science and say, This is what they're teaching our students. And you know, when they teach this, they teach this as fact. So I'm not just on a podium right now saying, hey, I don't like what they're teaching in school because, you know, it goes against the Bible. No, I'm against it because it's not factual. There's just no way to prove their theory. And you say, well, there's no way to prove the Bible. Absolutely, I can't prove it. Not scientifically, but I have been given a thing called common sense. I mean aren't you tired of meeting smart people without common sense? I mean God gave us common sense for a reason. It's just common sense. We have God-given senses that just it doesn't pass the smell test. It just doesn't it doesn't seem I don't observe it. It just we have common sense. So the reason why they 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 say all oh, this sun is so big and all this is because this is what they tell us and they tell us this is fact. Now So then I started to ask myself, well, what's the history throughout the lifetime of our earth, of of our generation? What have we learned? What have we believed about the sun? Because NASA is telling us one thing, but Genesis one is telling us another. So I went through a little history lesson. NASA tells us this that was created in 1958, just 63 years ago. And we, we use them to rely upon a lot of the stuff that they teach in our schools today. But what did the people believe before NASA came about? What did the people believe before all of the pictures and all of the things that they have told us? They believed what's called the Copernicus model. And I'll show you that here. Nicholas Copernicus, he brought this model that believed back in 1543 that this was the way the universe worked. And right in the middle is the sun. And then you have Mars, and then you have Venus, and then you have Earth. And Earth is there with the moon orbiting around it. Then you have um, Mars, uh, Jupiter, and Saturn. And I don't read Latin. I just know what they say. But the sun is the very center. And this is the model that we have today. Less than 500 years we've been taught the Copernicus model. He was a Polish astronomer. And he was known, he's been known as the father of astronomy. He was able to create what's called a heliocentric, a sun-centered model of the solar system. And this is what every single student knows today. The sun and the Mercury and Venus and Earth and so forth. It's less than 500 years old that this model was shown But then, where do you go from there? What did they believe before that? And this is actually on their NASA website. If you just search for what is the sun and go to NASA, they'll show you a timeline of what people believe. So I'm taking this from their their information. They believe the Copernicus. It's solarsystem.nasa.gov. And they believe the Copernicus model, which is less than 500 years. But what did they believe for that? For 1,400 years, they believed something different, and it's this. A gentleman named Claudius um, Ptolemaeus was a Greek astronomer that was born, or that was around 150 AD. So just imagine 120 years after Jesus, this astronomer came up with this as the way of describing the world and the system that we live in. And right in the middle is the earth and then you have the moon and then you have Mercury and Venus and then you have the Sun then you have Mars then you have Jupiter then you have Saturn and then the outer ring are all the stars notice what they placed right in the middle the earth and then the moon Mercury Venus stars for 1400 years this is what people believed about the universe And less than 500 years ago, Copernicus wrote a new model. And all of a sudden, we went from a Earth-centered universe to a Sun-centered universe. All of a sudden, we went from the Earth being the very center of the universe and everything else around us moving to all of a sudden, the Sun becoming the center of our solar system. And now we're going 500,000 miles around the Milky Way. That... That thought, that motto is less than 500 years. So why for 1,400 years would people believe that the earth was at the very center of the universe? Why would they believe that the moon and Mercury and Venus, the sun, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, all went around this earth that was fixed? Well, if you look closely at Genesis 1, you'll see why they believe this. Because I believe that not just for 1,400 years, but even way before that, The Hebrews believed something completely different about our cosmology. Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening, there was morning, the first day. Now, I started off saying in the the beginning of the sermon that God was asking me to tell you why I believe the way I believe. That I came to this point in my life where I had to believe his word and I wasn't going to doubt what he said. That everything he told me, if it's find something in your backpack or or go and do this or go and do that or anything he tells me or anything I read, I'm going to believe God. Because God's word has never failed. And if you notice this portion of scripture we just read, it said there was evening, there was morning, the first day. So I believe that God created the system that we live live in in one day, in six days. And day one was one day. Because nowhere in Genesis do you read that the day represented anything more than a 24-hour period. And Genesis is not a book of poetry. It's not a book of wisdom. It's not a prophecy book. It is a historical literature because scientists tell us hey if you want to know how the solar system began we'll tell you it's called the big bang but god says i want you to know moses how this world was created i'm going to tell you how i did it and this is what i did on the first day we have heaven we have earth we have water we have light because nowhere in the New- in the old testament is anything outside of a six-day model of creation now some people say well wait a minute pastor You know, there's got to be more time in there somewhere. Maybe that in the beginning, verses 1 and 2 is separate from verse 3, where it says, God said, let there be light. Maybe there's a, a, a break in there, and that's called the day theory. But the problem is this, that in chapter 2, it says that at the very end of the sixth day, God rested on the seventh, and it was complete. So every scientist that tells us that the universe expanding is going contrary to what the Word of God says. Every scientist that says that it took 10 billion years for water to appear on this earth, and yet on day one, water, according to God. It's always opposite of what God says. So could God make everything in one day? Absolutely. Why? Because that's what Genesis says. But we have, a, we have a problem with this because we understand how our system works. You plant, we had, we had some great burgers. I don't know who cooked those yesterday, but they were fantastic. I cooked them. Okay, so we had some burgers, right? And, 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 but the thing is, we had some fresh leaves from a lettuce of leaves, leaf lettuce. We had lettuce, whatever it is. See, I told you I don't eat that stuff. And so we had some lettuce, and it was freshly cut from the garden. And you know what she did? Before the family came over, she went to Fairway and bought a head of lettuce and dug up some dirt and put it in there. She took the paper off so they knew that it was lettuce. No, it didn't. She didn't do that. She planted the seed early in the spring. And over time, with nutrients and light and water and soil, it began to grow. And then all of a sudden, we had lettuce for our burgers. So how could God do all that in one day? How could God do all that in one day? The first day he created heavens, the earth, water, and light. How do we know this? Because it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We have heaven, we have earth, we have water. And God said, let there be light. Now we have light, and there was light. And it separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light good, and the darkness night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Now the second day God created the firmament which separated the waters from below from the waters from above. And this firmament on day two, the Bible says that he created this space, this this vast, this vault, and that waters from below were separated from waters from above. Now, this is where people say, okay, Pastor, hold on now. You know, maybe it's just saying this, but it's not really the way it is. Listen, all I'm telling you, and I don't care how you think or what you think. That's not my point. My point is I just want to tell you what God's Word says. That the Bible creates this firmament. And did you know that every single day that God created something, the Bible says that it was good. But he didn't say that about day two. Hurry up and go and read through your Bible real quick. You'll notice that on day two, he never says it was good. Why? Because it wasn't complete. That won't get completed until day four. But on day two, what he did was he separated the waters from below from the waters above, and he created this firmament. And then on the third day, the Bible says that that God revealed the land and he created land and seas and all of the fruit-bearing plants, seed-bearing plants, and the trees. And there was evening, there was morning, the third day. And this is what we talked about last week. How is it possible that God could create Plants and trees that take years to do and months to grow. How is it possible for God to do that? And here's even the most bizarre question. How is it possible for God to create vegetation without the sun? Because the sun won't be created yet until day four. You say, well, wait a minute, pastor. You need the sun. You need water and you need soil to make things grow. Well, we talked about this. You need light, you need water, you need soil. And on day one, you had two of those components already God created light and God created water. And then on day three, the waters recede, the land is revealed. Now you have soil, you have light, you have water. And you say, well, wait a minute. It's got to be the sun because NASA tells us, science tells us that the only source of light in this universe is the sun. But what did God say? God said, let there be light. Let there be light. Let's look at day four here. Verse 14. And God said, let the lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let there be lights in the vault in the firmament of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. Now notice what it says in verse 16. And God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. And he also made the stars, and God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. What does the Bible say? That God says, let there be lights that are going to be created in this firmament, in the vault, in the sky. And he will use them to serve as times of days and years and sacred times. Some people say, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. See, day one, God created the sun. They just couldn't see it because of all this cloud cover. And then on day four, he reveals it. My question, remember this logic thing? Who's there to witness this? There's no human beings yet, right? It's not like people are making a journal. Oh, no, it was the sun because it was cloudy that day. No, there's no one there. Why would God say this if it wasn't true? Why would God do this order? I honestly believe he did this specifically for a reason, because it combats everything that man says. You know, we always want to prove things right. We always. I, I would watch those TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and they would pop out those multiple choice questions. I would say it's the letter C, and I would say it with confidence. And, and my family would start to, wow, Dad, you're so smart. And then he comes up, it's D. Oh. Dad, you don't know nothing, but I said it with confidence. Why? Because I want to be right. I have to be right. We're always on the always on the pursuit of being right because it makes us feel good. It makes us look smart. But God said this for a reason. On the first day, it's light. That's why in the book of Psalms it says that God wraps himself with light. He wraps himself with the very thing he created with light. Day 4, God creates two great lights. He creates the sun, There's already three days of morning and evening. And why did he create this sun? To govern the day, to have authority over it, to rule it. The luminaries were also created for another purpose, to serve as signs, to mark the sacred times, days, and years. Do you know what calendar we go off of? We go off of a solar calendar. We have 365.244 days a year. Do you know what the Hebrews went off of? They went off of a lunar calendar, a moon calendar. That's why Easter or Passover is never the same day every year because it's based off of the cycles, the phases of the moon. It's almost like it's a calendar. Oh, wait, yeah, that's what God said. I'm going to give you these lights, and they're going to serve as a calendar to remember the special days. My wife's birthday was August 19th. I remembered it because I looked up at the moon. And my phone said, wife's birthday, today. You know, it's like, we got calendars. We want to be reminded of those special days. Special days. And that's why the Hebrews were based off of a lunar calendar, which is actually 11 days less than our calendar. A moon or a sun. But the Bible clearly teaches us something that big bang theory scientists say. This is what's important to understand that I'm not going to tell you what to believe or how to believe. I just want to explain the way the, board, the Word of God says it. They tell us, Big Bang Theory tells us that this cosmic egg, this singularity, collapsed on itself, blew up, and all of a sudden they had what's called cosmic inflation. And that means that 35 times 1, so 35 zeros and 1, it's a big number, and then two between that time, to the 10 to the 35,000s, whatever, second, things inflated so fast that we basically got the universe in that little amount of time. It was just like that. And then things started to slow down as they expand and all that. And then the sun began to gather itself. The gases come, and then all of a sudden the earth says, hey, this looks great. I'm going to hang out here, and Mars, and Venus, and all these things start forming around the thing, all right? This is what NASA tells us. But you know what God says? God said to us that the earth is older than the sun. That the earth came before the sun. That's what the Bible says. You say, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This is what I said, too, because... The very first movie I took to uh, my wife, you know, Apollo 11, All right, She hated that movie. I thought it was cool. Apollo 11, or Apollo 13, Apollo 13, I can't remember what it was. I remember your birthday, I can remember the movie, Apollo 13. And, <clears throat> and there you have all the NASA scientists and they're telling you all these things about the moon and all the gravitation, all this and all that, but there's only one light source in the sky, and that's the sun. And yet the Bible tells us that there's a different light source, and then the sun was created after that. But the Bible specifically tells us that the earth is older than the sun. And what does NASA tell us? That the sun was here before the earth began. Now, why do I say all this? I'm not trying to pick a fight or cause controversy. Why do I say this? Because people believe something different. People believe something different, and they held on to it. Because this is what they were taught from the Old Testament, and this is what they're taught in the Bible. Look at how people praise God about the steadiness of creation. The author of Psalms says this, "...he set the earth on its foundation, and it can never be moved." That's why when the astronomer Ptolemaeus looked up and saw that everything was moving around him, he put the earth at the very center of the universe with the moon and Mercury and Venus and the sun and all this stuff, because he realized that the earth was on a foundation. It can never be moved. 1 Chronicles 1630 says, Tremble before him all the earth. The whole world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Psalm 33 says this, Let the earth fear the Lord. Let the people of the world revere him, for he spoke. It came to be. And it stood firm. 93, Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty, armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm, and secure. Why do they believe this? Because this is what they praised God about. Genesis 1. That you created this place and you put all of these things here so that on day six you would create mankind and then we would be a people that you would have a relationship with. But you did all of this so that we could have fellowship. All this week, leading up to Sunday or, or Friday, all this week, you know, this past week... All we did was clean and prepare. Why? Because our guests were coming. And everything that we neglected, everything that we ignored, got dusted, got clean, got polished, got wiped. Why? So that they could come in and destroy our house. We did all of that, why? Because this is the pinnacle of what we want. We want our family to come in and enjoy this moment. We did all of this for preparation and sweat and tears and tears, especially when she yells at me for not cleaning. Tears, tears, tears. All of this done. Why? Because the people that we wanted to see were coming. And God created this earth, and it was formless and void. And he says, let there be light. And he created light, and then he separated the water from the water. The same waters in the heaven that would flood this earth and begin a new work. The same waters in heaven that God closed on the day of Zenoa and the flood stopped. The same water that was there in Psalm when they says, praise you, God, in the skies and the waters above. They praised him for the act of creation. And then on day three, you had this miraculous growth that happened. You this growth overnight, the same growth that did that happened in the book of Jonah, when Jonah was there and he was complaining that, that God saved the people of Nineveh. And the Bible says that God made a plant grow up over him overnight. And it's the same God who created the sun on day four. I don't know what you want to believe. I don't, it's not up to me but I'm gonna believe God. I'm gonna believe God who will bring life, bring nothing into something. A God who created the sun to mark the special times, the seasons, the day. And I think this is important because if you, I'm gonna bring this to a close, but I think this is important because if you ever look up and see the first thing that Satan ever said, it's this, did God really say? And I don't think his tactics have changed because he's always trying to make a second guess. Do you remember the story of Jesus when he was baptized? He was baptized, and the Bible says that the heavens opened, and, and God spoke, the Father spoke to his son. He says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And the Holy Spirit came down on a dove. And then what happens? After Jesus you know, was filled with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, he goes out into the wilderness and the devil's there and you remember the devil he knows that he's hungry and he says he says Jesus if you are truly the son of god turn this bread and earth stone into bread what's the first thing the devil said to Jesus if you really are if you really are chosen if you really are called if god is really for you not against you he's always trying to make us doubt what god says that's why i refuse to be, not believe what people say, but I will believe what my God says, and my God said that the earth is older than the sun. You say, well, what do I do with this, pastor? I mean, what do I do? Do what I did with it. Read it. Think about it, and say, God, is it really the way you said? Because you're going to find out that your God is able to do much more with nothing than you are with everything you have. God doesn't need your resources. He doesn't need your skill sets. He doesn't need your gardening skills to make things grow. All he needs is someone to believe him. And if you would do that, you will see the impossible happen. Is it possible for trees and plants to grow overnight without a sun? Absolutely. Because God has already made it possible. He gave us light. He gave us water. He gave us land. Is it possible for God to change your story in a moment? Absolutely. Because all you have to do is believe that he's the same God. Believe his word.